0: Chapter 19. Jack in the Vault Okay, let's go, Magnus said upon exiting his office. A sign of relief was visible in the way he carried himself. An arrogant sense of purpose was now back in his step. Serena couldn't help but notice, curious what he had told his boss. She hadn't been a part of the organization long, but it didn't take long for rumors to trickle down the ranks. Though no one knew his name. They knew the man Magnus reported to was rumored to have a short fuse and was unable to abide screw-ups. She couldn't help but think the entire ordeal with Jack Glasser was one massive clusterfuck. She couldn't imagine the top echelon of the organization letting it slide either. Eric, the gap-toothed guard, walked up behind Jack and Gomes, who were seated near the guard desk yanked them up by the collar, pointed his rifle at them, and directed them down the hall toward a door labeled manufacturing. Magnus whispered into Eric's ear, and the guard peeled gums from the pack and hustled him back to the guest quarters, because he still may be needed if the employee garden project was to live. Serena and Magnus escorted Jack to the vault. They walked down the hall in silence, much like his first tour of two days prior. Then patiently waited near the vault door as Magnus punched in his code and opened the foot-thick door. For the first time, Jack could see what was behind the massive vault door. Several rooms on each side of an expansive interior. In the back, a lab was surrounded by floor-to-ceiling glass with biohazard stickers clearly evident. He could only assume that this was the lab where Gene Gomes conducted his research. Off to the left were two additional rooms. One looked like a storage and break room condo and the other a decontamination area. There was a guard sitting inside the door at a desk in what appeared to be a small lobby inside the massive vault. I'm sure you'll be comfortable here for the remainder of your stay, Magnus said cheerfully. Make sure he stays put, he said to the guard, pointing to the small decontamination room on the left. The guard opened the door, revealing a spare room with no furniture. Serena pushed Jack toward the door. Once inside, she stepped close. You know, you are kind of cute, she said, looking at Jack intensely, her hands on his shoulders. I actually liked you. Shame you couldn't follow directions, she said. She leaned in close, her lips brushing against his, then pressed her face to the side of his. He wanted to be repulsed by her, but his body wouldn't let him. He felt his face tingle and his hard expression soften. Whatever you do, don't go rummaging around the shelves, she whispered, barely audible, then drove her knee squarely into his crotch. Jack saw stars and went down hard. Through the pain, he saw Magnus produce a syringe, grab his arm, and inject the contents. Within seconds, Jack was enveloped in a deep, warm blanket of darkness, the same feeling he'd had as a child when he was struck by lightning. Luke stepped off the plane at 11.30 p.m. Vegas time. It was too early to go home, and he was still riding a high from winning Big in the Bahamas. There was nothing like snagging money from assholes to inspire celebration. He grabbed his bags, said goodnight to Don as pilot, as well as the collection of freeloaders he'd given a lift from Miami. He planned to head home, quickly drop Bosco off, stop by the office, and put his cash in a safe and get ready for round two. He thought about texting Jack, but Luke knew he wouldn't come. Beth had him completely under her thumb. And late nights out with his brother, and that had been banned. Draper's girl was parked in the alley near the entrance to the Glasser office building by 12 p.m. Damn, she muttered into her microphone. Did you see that? She asked Charles, the tall, pot-marked assistant on loan from Draper. Yeah, he said. Luke wasn't supposed to be back till Monday, she muttered. Now what do we do? Shut it down, he asked. Not yet. She knew she had to improvise. She had to complete her mission. With Jack being held in Canada, there weren't many options. She had to get whatever she could from his office and get it now. She quickly formulated a plan. Hold your position. I've got an idea. It shouldn't take more than an hour. Just make sure you keep an eye on the office until I get back, she said. She waited 30 minutes before seeing Luke's red 1969 Camaro exit the building's underground garage. She followed him to a small bar off the Strip. It looked like it was plucked from the 1950s, with wagon wheel decor in front and a Strip Mall facade. However, she smiled as she ducked in. No one but locals and high rollers knew about the place. It was the equivalent of a gin joint during Prohibition crap exterior that belied the modern interior that was continually hopping with loud music and a set of subwoofers that could unlock the tightest colon. She waited patiently a few minutes for Luke to get settled before slipping in, quietly applying her trade craft, going in unnoticed, which was no easy feat considering she was nine blonde with a face and a physique barred from a fashion magazine. She slipped off to the side of the bar and quickly drew the attention of the bartender motioning her to come over. She whispered in her ear while quietly placing a small packet of powder in her hand along with three crisp $100 bills. The bartender smiled and threw her hair back in an obvious attempt to impress Draper's girl, who in turn only smiled and told her she'd be back later. As she left through the side door, she quickly stole a look at Luke, noticing he had acquired the company of a rather interesting-looking woman. A striking auburn-haired beauty in a black dress with matching black nail polish.